You're listening to a podcast of the Sunday morning message from Grace Christian Church in the city of Cork on the beautiful south coast of Ireland. We hope and pray that it will be a blessing to you. This is my very good friend, Jurd Keehan, and Jurd comes from Perth in Western Australia, but his dad was born in Ennis. Um, and most of his family are from different parts of Ireland, so he's an Irish-Australian. So think of the Irish-Americans, but think of them uh, probably fairly tuned in because Australia is so Irish, there's a real Irish vibe out there. Gerd uh, leads Global Heart Church in Perth, Australia, a vibrant, growing, fantastic church. They've just planted a church in um, Hamburg in Germany, and Jord has been over with that. And Jord used to be all, as well involved with Hillsong in London. So I want us to give a big cork welcome to Pastor Jord Keen. God bless you, Jord. Good morning. Great to see you. Thank you so much, uh, Pastor Tom and Denise, for your warm welcome and hospitality. And thank you for having me here in Cork with you at Grace Church. It's a great blessing to be here with you. And that's my Republican passport, just so you all see it. There you go. Republican passport. You can all listen to me now. There we go. Good to see everybody. Great to be in the Holy Land this morning, in, back in Cork. And uh, in this great city with uh, wonderful people. And as uh, Pastor Tom just said, I'm from up the road there. Yeah, my, well, my dad is from Ennis and got family still up there. But great to be in Ireland. We love Ireland. And uh, whenever I come back to Ireland, just always feel uh, really at home. Because in, uh, in Sydney, where I grew up, we grew up with all Irish friends and family. So I grew up in an Irish community in Australia. So I always feel very at home when I'm back in Ireland. So great to be here with you. And how funny are the Irish? How funny are you? How funny are you? Sue and I, a couple of years ago, I just got to tell you this story. We, um, whenever, whenever I've been to Ireland, I always try and stay in a guest house. You don't want to stay in a hotel when you come to Ireland. A hotel change. You've got to stay with the people, stay with the family. So uh, I, Sue and I were having an anniversary. So I said, let's go to Dublin. We'll uh, stay in a guest house in Dublin. You'll love this. So we go to the guest house. And when we get there, the lady who uh, obviously ran the guest house with her husband, she comes out to Sue and I. She's that warm and friendly. And uh, Sue and I just got off a plane. We'd come straight from Perth to Dubai, then, to, uh, then into Dublin. So she says to me and Sue, where have you come from today? And Sue and I said, oh, we've come straight from Perth in Australia. She goes, you haven't. <laughs> I said, oh, we have anyway. So you come straight through. She goes, all that way, did you stop anywhere? I said, no, we just got off in Dubai and then we kept coming through. She looks at Sue and I and she's walked us up to our room and she says, right, it's like, it was 1.30 in the afternoon. She says, what are you going to do now? I said, well, we're going to go out. We're going to walk around Dublin and push through, and then we'll come back and go to bed later. She said, no, you won't. She said, the two of you now, get in the bed. I'll put a nice pot of tea on. She said, it's 1.30 now in the afternoon. So she said, I'll put a nice pot of tea on for the both of you, and at 3 o'clock I'll ring you, and you can go then. <laughs> I turned to Sue, and I said, do you want to go to bed, Sue? She said, no, not really. I want to push through. So I said, being of Irish background, I know how to deal with it. I said, Delia, you're very kind indeed. And you're very caring. But Sue and I are going to push through. It's 1.30 in the afternoon. We're going to push through. We'll walk around Dublin. We'll be so tired later. We'll come back and we'll get into our, our sleep pattern. She said, no, you won't. She said, Sue, get in the bed now. I'll go down and get a nice pot of tea on. 
three o'clock, you'll be all fresh. You'll be ready for the streets of Dublin and you can go. I said to her again, Dilly, you're so kind. That is really kind of you. What a kind lady you are. I said, but no, Sue and I are going to really now, we're just, we're just going to push you and keep going. She said, ah, you will. <laughs> ah, you will now. The two of you, Sue, get under the covers. Jared, get in there now. <laughs> the two of you get under there. I'm putting on the tea now. I'll ring you at three o'clock and you can get up. I looked at Sue and I said, get under the covers. <laughs> the two of us got in the bed. We were trying to push through. Here's the funny bit. My wife was out cold asleep in five minutes. She's out. I'm lying there. Delia arrives with the pot of tea. It was this huge. It was like, I was thinking, how many people are going to be drinking the tea, Delia? The pot was massive. She says, I'll ring you at three. I lied there from 1.30 to three like this. Jesus, take me home. <laughs> Sue's out cold. And then at three o'clock, the phone goes, guess who that might be? This is what she said to me. Only would you hear this. In all my travels, anywhere in the world, only in Ireland would you hear this. She says to me, hello, Jared. It's Delia. I said, hello, Delia. <laughs> she said, you ready for it? You can get up now. <laughs> And being of Irish descent, I said, thank you very much. <laughs> Sue roused and she said, who was that? I said, it was Delia. Sue goes, what did she say? You can get up now. <laughs> so the two of us went out the door. Do you want to hear the end of the story? In the, she gave us a big hug and she's all loving. In the morning we got up and we said, are we going to go downtown again? She said, no, you won't. <laughs> I, went, I said, turned to Sue and said, part two. She said... Get on the bus, you're going to the Guinness factory. <laughs> and Sue said, I don't want to go to the Guinness factory. She said, you do. Get on the bus. Tell me about it when you get back. Hugged and kissed us both. And we had a lovely time and a lovely stay with Delia. If you ever go to Dublin, look out for Delia. She'll take care of you very nice. You can give Delia a big hand, everybody. Can you give Delia a big hand? <laughs> so funny. She, she still, to this day, we look back fondly with love and realise she made our holiday and our time in Dublin. Can I pray with you? Would you mind standing up, everybody? I just pray as we come around the word right now. Well, Lord, we just thank you this morning for Grace Church here in Cork. Thank you, Lord, for everybody here. Just pray particularly, Father, for Pastor Tom and Denise and Michael, Lord, and all the team here. Just pray your blessing on them, your favour on them, your hand on them. Pray, God, that today, Father, you would uh, once again speak to us from your word. I just thank you, Lord, for the power of your word to change our lives, to bring hope, to bring freedom, to bring life. Father, I pray this morning that, Lord, uh, you'll say something beyond what I say that will help somebody today, Father, to begin to walk with you. Father, to get out of neutral, to get out of that stuck place and begin to go forward. I pray they get out of uh, neutral or first gear and get into that fifth gear, Lord, that they might be moving down the, the road of what you got for them and for their family. Father, I just pray for everybody today, Lord, that, uh, Father, we don't need information. We need revelation. So I pray, Father, give us a revelation of you, Jesus, and, Father, of your amazing plan and amazing call on our lives. Father, I just pray it right now in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody who agreed with it said, Amen. Amen. Can we give Jesus a big hand this morning, everybody? Can we give the Lord a great hand? Amen. You can be seated. Just tell the person next to you, you're so blessed to be sitting with me today. <laughs> Oh, 
All right. And they said, Amen. Going to read from the book of Luke, everybody. So uh, I think we've got it there for you. Luke chapter 10, verse uh, 30 to 37. The parable of the Good Samaritan today. Luke 10, verse 30, down to verse 37. Here we go. It says, Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho. He was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to the inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, Take care of this man. If, you, if his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? Jesus asked. The man replied, The one who showed mercy. Then Jesus said, Yes, now go and do the same. Such a powerful passage in God's word, everybody, this morning. And in this passage, the Bible just tells us it was a Jewish man who was left beaten and stripped, you know, nearly naked, left for dead. Uh, we uh, don't know much about him. We don't know about his stature in life. We don't know about his position in life. We just know that he was left there and, uh, and he was left suffering. And then the Bible tells us that a priest came along and uh, saw what was happening and crossed over to the other side. Then a Levite came along and he also saw the injured man, but he crossed and got out of the way and kept going. When I was reading this passage uh, a little while ago, I was suddenly felt like the Holy Spirit just touched me and uh, he uh, just dropped into my spirit and into my heart the question of where am I going? Because from this passage, all the three people spoken about were all going somewhere. But the question is, was where they're going really, really important? So my question to you today is, where are you going? The man who was attacked and beaten and stripped and really, uh, you know, left for dead uh, physically, like many of us before we came to Christ, emotionally and spiritually, he was going somewhere. But I wonder, where was he going? And then we got the religious man who was so busy, the priest, he was so busy and in a hurry and so focused but he saw the man lying there, but he crossed over the road because he was going somewhere. Then the, and the, you know, the religious man, if you like, he's talking to really us about prestige and promotion and leadership in a church, if you like. And the Levite, or here in the New Living, it says he was the temple assistant. He's talking about somebody who's you know, uh, w trying to walk with God, but not of such a high level status. But he was going somewhere and crossed over. Where are you going today in your life? Where are you going? Such a huge question and so important for everyone, whether you're a believer or not yet a believer. Where are you going? Where are you going in your life? Why are you so busy? And what is taking all your time? What's so important? I discovered many years ago the things that I thought were important in my life weren't important to Jesus at all. The things that I valued before I came to Christ just weren't important. 
the things that Jesus values are much higher and of a greater value. And so at the end of my teen years, I was to meet Jesus and find out what he actually valued. But for me as an 18-year-old, uh, growing up in a family, my dad was alcoholic and my brother was an alcoholic. We had lots of challenges, lots of difficulties in life. I grew up in a lot of poverty. My brother before me was Down syndrome. And so I've got an alcoholic dad, an alcoholic brother, eldest brother. Then I got a Down syndrome brother. I learned very early in life, there's no room for you to have a problem. And so by the time I was 18, I was really tired of life. I was old before my time. I would have been, I think when I was 18, I would have easily been 35. Emotionally and spiritually and mentally. Working through my mum, divorcing my dad and everything that went on in the family. So difficult. And if I was to be honest to you today, I would say that my family for a couple of generations did this. Where they were going was this. They were walking in circles for generations. Walking around, same route, same pain, same problems, same difficulties, same challenges. We were just going in one great circle and actually for generations, not for a couple of years, not for 10 years, not for 20 years, but for generations back, I would say past my grandfathers to my great-grandfathers, everybody going in circles with pain and difficulty and problems. And uh, we were the wounded beaten man lying in the gutter, really stripped by the enemy uh, for generations. And in the Amplified Bible, the Bible says in John 10.10 10, that the thief comes only in order to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. Wow, there's God's promise for us. The thief comes only in order to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they, that they, that they <laughs> in Cork at Grace Church, and everybody who's new to Grace Church this morning, that you may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. Do you know, when I uh, came to church for the first time and I heard that scripture, it was the first or second time, and I was out partying in Sydney and in some wild places, I was absolutely shocked when I heard that scripture. I was like, what? Is it, does Jesus mean this? Does he mean from our woundedness and beaten life and, and uh, suffering emotionally and spiritually and every other way? Can Jesus really do something in my life that I might have a different life? That I might enjoy life? That it might actually overflow? And I was, I was so shocked. And then I heard Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for your good, for your welfare, and to give you a good ending. I was, I was like, what? I honestly thought, if you come from a home where you've got generational alcoholism, and my wife's uh, family as well, she got involved with occult for a while. Her dad's on marriage four now. You married a Christian the last one, praise the Lord. <laughs> he got saved on the third wife. <laughs> He's now got four. So my children go along at the airport. Hello, grandma. Hello, grandma. Hello, grandma. Hello, grandma. Hello. It's really interesting. Anyway, but I just thought if your life is filled with poverty, alcoholism, you're poor, you've chosen. This, I honestly thought it could never change. The people we mix with, their lives never changed. Everybody was poor. Everybody was broke. Everybody had problems. And really what we spent our lives doing was talking about them. And then drinking 
to get over talking about them. And I seriously thought, your life can never change. But I didn't count on God. And I didn't count on God if I allowed him to move in my life. You know, this morning, it takes guts to get out of ruts. If you're in a rut, it takes guts to get out of ruts. Because you've got to make a decision that's enough. You've got to make a decision, I'm over that. I now want to have what Jesus says. So as an 18, 19-year-old, I was, you know, you've heard that before, sick and tired. I've even at 18 and 19 been sick and tired. And so I made a decision, I want to live for God now. And God, if you can do that in my life, then please do. <laughs> if you can save me, please do. If you can rescue my children. I hadn't had children yet, but I was thinking ahead already that, you know what, I'm going to repeat this. There's no way I'm not going to pass this to my children because Sue and I have got too much in our families, too much damage, too much pain and problems and on and on and on. The two of us together, we're going to repeat it. But I said, Jesus, if you can help me, then I claim that scripture. I know the enemy came to steal, kill and destroy. He did a good job in my family. But I thank you, God, now that you have come that I might enjoy life, have it in abundance till it overflows. Do you know what? One of the greatest things you can do, everybody, in your life is get into agreement with God. It's a huge thing. Many times people say, why isn't God moving in my life? Why isn't God doing this? Because many times, oh, that could never happen. And you don't even need to be speaking it out, out of your mouth. You just have to be speaking it to yourself. You know, the most important conversation everybody you're having this morning is not the one you have out to everybody else. The most important conversation is what you say to you. You're preaching to you even while I'm preaching. But how you change your life is when you hear the word of God, you hear a preacher, you hear something, you go, I agree with that. I agree with that. Can I encourage you? Begin to agree with God and what he says. Begin to agree with God's word and what he says. Begin to get in agreement that, God, I, can't, I haven't seen that. But, Lord, I'm going to begin to go by faith and believe that you can do that in my life. Faith is like Wi-Fi. You can't see it, but a connection is made. Faith is just like Wi-Fi. You can't see it at the time, but a connection is made. And God begins to move when you begin to go by faith. My mum was hilarious. She's a, she's a great lady, great lady of God. Got saved at the end of her 40s. And we were religious, but we were not born again. And then my mom, she gets saved. She was so depressed. She was on Valium to sleep at night. She was drinking sherry to cope with life. She looked 100 years old. She was only in her late 40s. She walked around like this. And a little Baptist lady took her to church. And that little Baptist lady crossed the road. She brought casserole to my mum three times. I don't know if I told that story when I came many years ago. She crossed the road with a casserole to my mum. And she brought it over to my mum. And my mum said, bless her, we don't take charity. I was behind my mother and I moved and I said, we do. We do. We take all the charity you want to give us. Give it, thank you very much. She came again with another casserole. My mother was like, oh, what's this woman after? What's she after? Like Rather than like realizing there are kind people, right? Lady saw my mum depressed, saw her coming home with us kids, and she felt sorry for her. And that lady was in the Air Force traveling around with her husband uh, in, in Sydney. Third time she came over with a little card on the casserole, Jesus loves you. Now, well, that didn't work for my mother either. 
it's a Baptist lady. We were Irish Catholic and she's telling us Jesus loves us. You didn't tell us Jesus loves us. We tell you Jesus loves you. <laughs> I know that none of you were like that. That's how we were. And my mum's like, no, I don't, I don't really like that. I said, mum, she's a nice lady, this lady. She's really trying to bless you. And then the lady came over and said to my mum, and, and my mum actually went in the room and she had a little tear then. She did. I remember having tears. The lady then came to my mum in the following week and she said, can I take you somewhere? I think it's going to bless you. They've got really positive things that will help you and your family. And my mum was like, oh, I can't go to any church or anything like that. And the lady said, no, I'll take you to a meeting. It's going to be in a hall. And anyway, my mum ended up going. The gospel got preached. My mum got saved straight away. Born again that day. She was so miserable, really, so sad. I carried all her weight. And my mum came home from the meeting and she was like, <laughs> she walked in like, ta-da. I was like, what's up with you? <laughs> and she was like, she goes, I found Jesus. And I was like, you know, as I was then, I didn't know he was lost. Well done. <laughs> and so she said, no, I really found him. And she said, he's coming to my life. And I was like, what do you mean? I, I had no clue what she was talking about. But he was my mum. Even then, faith rose in her. She heard the gospel that day. And she said to me, I'll never forget, you're going to heaven now. And your brother's going to heaven. And your sister, you're going to heaven. Your father can go to hell, but you're going to heaven. <laughs> she, what she meant, what she meant is if he would like to go there, he's very welcome. <laughs> but, but she said, God's got, you're going to heaven. She started telling all of her children, you're getting saved, you're getting born again, you're going to serve God, you're going... And then she, uh, she spoke that all the time. I'd say, get away from me, you crazy woman. We've got enough issues already. Now we're becoming religious nutcases. Are you crazy? We're already crazy. Now we're going crazy at a new level. Anyway, but my mum then, uh, she then changed it and said, over months... God's going to use you. God's going to use you. God's going to use you. Now I've planted, you know, four or five churches. My mum says, I wish he'd use you less. I never see you. <laughs> so I said, you prayed it, you got it. But, uh, and here's the good news too. My dad, uh, he died 15 years ago, but a couple of years before he died, brain damage from fighting through alcoholism, blind in one eye, he gave his life to the Lord before he died. Before he died. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? So I'll see my dad healed in heaven, healed and whole in heaven, and, uh, and he'll be at peace. And, you know, the Lord showed me a long time. I was mad with him my whole childhood. And the Lord showed me into my salvation, probably saved about seven years. And the Lord showed me. My dad was just a victim of his dad's pain. And he was, my granddad was a victim of pain from, from home here in Ireland and pain from his dad. And it was just pain. Somebody has to break the chain. Somebody has to say that's enough. Somebody has to say we're going to have a new family and a new day. And, uh, and I want to encourage you, when you put Jesus first in your life, then everything begins to work in your life. Without Jesus, relationships begin to unravel. All human relationships, we saw it in our family, they didn't work when we were religious. They worked when Jesus was Lord and we were born by his Holy Spirit. Born again by the Holy Spirit. Can I encourage you today? Jesus wants to do something great in your life. You know, um, I, I think over the years I've discovered something is many people miss the God moments in their life. Did you know there are God moments in your life? God moments. When I heard the gospel at 18, my brothers kidnapped me and took me to a, a hall <laughs> to a meeting. And, uh, it was, and, you know, I was kidnapped, but it was, a, it was a God moment. But they knew I would never go near the church, so they told me I was going to a concert. But it was a concert with all Christian songs. Funny that. But the guy preached the gospel that night, and the Holy Spirit spoke through that man directly to my, my heart. That was a God moment in my life. 
I had, now I could have rejected or responded, uh, not responded. The pastor said that night too when he preached the gospel. He said, and he said, God showed me a young man here and you just had a miracle. I, I literally had a miracle, which I can't tell you now. Too much time for that. But uh, I had a real miracle. God touched me because I was in such a bad place. And my mum had a prayer group, nine people praying for me around the clock. Holy Spirit touched me. And this pastor at this big meeting says, and that young man who just had a miracle, and I thought my brother had told him. And I said, you're such an idiot telling that pastor about my, what's just happened. That's personal. And the pastor prophesied and spoke right into my situation, never met me, knew nothing about me. And I realized right then, God is speaking to us all the time, but he's looking for a response. Everybody, this is a God moment today. Today is a God moment for you to receive Christ. Today is a God moment for you to go, do you know what? I need to begin to agree with God. Sometimes rebellion isn't like, oh, this person who's angry and yelling and yelling at people and yelling at the church and God. Sometimes it's just that quiet one. No, just quietly, no. When I had to go, I need to change that and go, yes, Lord, I agree with you. You can do something with me. You can do something with Sue. You can do something with the children that we're going to have. Today is the, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Can I say it's also the day of salvation from your old life to your new life if you begin to agree with God. Um, life can begin to be unfair in your favor. I like that. Life can begin to be unfair in your favor. I just had life being unfair, and then it began to be unfair in my favor. I began to get blessed. And uh, today I look back and I go, Lord, what, what were you up to, you know, uh, all those years ago that, um, you know, all of it came together that I had the opportunity to make the decision Guess what? God's brought all things about that you might be here in Grace Church at this moment. God's brought all things about that you might be here in Cork. God's brought all things about that you might be saved. God's bringing it all together, but there's God moments. Don't miss the moment. You know, uh, I look back now, and Sue and I went off, and we worked in London, as Pastor Tom said, for a number of years. And I was on staff at the Hills Church in the early days, and then we planned a church in Perth. Then we planted, uh, we've just planted Germany a year ago, which is awesome. Two years ago, the Lord took me, and would never have believed it, to Zambia and to Rwanda in Africa. Now we've got a church in Lusaka in Zambia, two years old. It's an awesome church, so fun and so alive. And then God took me to Rwanda, and now our church, we're looking after 900 children in Rwanda in where that uh, nation had a genocide. The first little boy who we sponsored when he was nine years old, and uh, I've been there six, seven times, I moved him into my house two years ago from Rwanda. Went and saw his family who survived the genocide. And Justin, who we'd met over all the years, first boy, moved into our house, put him in our Bible school, in our leadership college. He graduated. He's now a missionary to our church in Zambia. He's studying accountancy at night, and he's the key person to our pastors now in the church we planted in Zambia. Who would have ever known? Who would have ever believed? Who would have ever believed and known? But God brought, God brought moments along. And what I've realized is... Don't miss the moments. Don't miss the moment of your life, everybody. Don't miss what God's trying to do right now. I'd say right now God's trying to do something powerful in your life, but you don't miss the moment. You've got to go, Lord, are you speaking to me? And then get the Wi-Fi operating. Get the faith connection. Say, right, I'm going to begin to move to that. We were just in Hamburg, and now, you know, first birthday, had 70 people in Hamburg for our first birthday. How wonderful. I'm like, got nothing to do with Germany. It's the funniest story. But God said, this is what I want you to do now. Puts it in front of me. We walked into it. Now he's moving. What has God got for you that's so good? He doesn't want you to miss out. What is there about to happen that God wants to bring about? 
if you'll get into agreement and begin to walk forward. You know, the greatest thing for Sue and I now is that we've got the most amazing sons, three most amazing sons. Have you got a photo for me? You guys got a picture there? These are my boys. They're amazing. Sean in the middle, he's the rock star. 20, he's 27, then I've got Nathan, 25, and then Geordie's 23. Uh, Sean in the middle is our creative director at church. He's an absolute worshipper, leads all our praise and worship. He's on staff. Jordan on the right is 23. He's now the state children's pastor for Australian Christian churches. He's 23 and oversees 90 churches with children's ministry. And then my son on the left, he works for a federal politician who works with the Prime Minister of Australia. He's back and forth to Canberra. He's involved in politics and business. The three of them absolutely love God, love God's house. And I'm like, Lord, look at that walking after you. But in this generation, these boys don't have the baggage that I had, the pain that I had. And in one generation, God has stopped it. And my boys now, they said, I said to my oldest son, do you understand, this is years ago, do you understand the call of God? He said, Dad, the challenge for me is I understand it too much. <laughs> I get it. I understand it. But I realized these moments that came that Sue and I had to step up now. My wife had to step up. Quiet English girl. She was so quiet, and then I suddenly felt like the Lord said to me, one day I'm going to use Sue to speak. I told Sue, that went well. <laughs> I said, babe, I think one day the Lord's going to use you to speak. She said, he's not. I said, no, I really was praying. I really felt like God's going to use you to speak. She said, no, he won't. And, uh, and I said, well, if any opportunity comes along, just take it. She said, it's not going to come along, and I'm not going to take it. <laughs> so eventually she did. She's now the state women's leader. And I'll get home and we're going to have a, the state women's conference, which my wife will step up and lead again. And, uh, you know, women will come from all over our state to it. And still my wife says to me when she gets up every time, can you just explain to me, what on earth am I doing? <laughs> She's like, what am I doing? And I go, you just said yes to Jesus, babe. You agreed with him and now God's using you. And a lot of ladies are getting blessed from that. What has God got for you? What does he need you to step up? I love when Tom was saying there was a moment to come and serve in one of the areas. Do you know what? That might be the very moment that God says serve there. It's a bit costly. But I've discovered um, when you serve here, God says, I've got an opportunity for you here and then here and then here and here. If Sue and I had never stepped up, my, my son on the end here, he's, he oversees all our business ministry, runs one that a lot of people in the northern area of our city come to now. He's 25. If we'd never said yes to God and stepped up, listen to this, mums and dads, our children follow example. If you don't step up, it'd be very, I don't know, but statistically, I think it's very limited that children step up outside of their parents who are Christians. Most Christian children copy exactly what mum and dad do. If you've sat down, they'll sit down. If you step up, they'll step up. If you sacrifice, they'll sacrifice. As Sue and I have kept going, the boys have gone, okay, we can do it too. And now they're doing it. If you got, we have all of our kids who come in from unsafe families. Many times they get saved and they, because their parents aren't there, they defer to the leadership. I say this as a little challenge. Do you know what? Sometimes it's much easier for us as ministry people to move the children of unsaved parents into ministry than it is to move the Christian children into ministry and destiny. Why? Because they're looking at mum and dad who sat down. Sat down. And the kid's like, well, sit down too. Can I encourage mum and dad if you're Christian? Get up. Get up for your grandchildren. Get up for your grandchildren. And say, as you get up, I, you know, my granddad had so much pain from Ennis. And I said to Tom, I love being back in Ireland. 
Because even though he had so much pain and things, I'm here and I want to honor him and say, the enemy tried to get you, granddad. And he did get you. He, he attacked you and attacked my dad. But now, as I stand up, my boys who you won't see in this life, they're standing up and they're standing up for Jesus. Let's redeem our generation, everybody. Let's redeem our children. Let's redeem their future. Let's make Ireland great because it's a great people, great-hearted people, and it's a great nation. You know, as I get to finish, the church is the most amazing thing God's ever created. It's incredible, the church. People come from all over the world. Uh, Just as I look around here, all the nations are here. In Perth, we have all the nations. How funny is it? We all have different income levels, different backgrounds, different cultures, different uh, statuses in life, and then God brings us all together, and we don't just put up with one another. We actually become family. That's supernatural. Don't take that for granted, everybody. Don't ever take coming to church for granted, but go, wow, Lord, this is a supernatural place. Thank you that you have planted me here for great works. Can I encourage you? Cross the road to somebody in God's house. Cross the road to somebody outside of God's house. Because as you do, I know God is going to honor you. C.S. Lewis said, to just talking about eternal life, he said, if we discover a desire in us, nothing in the world can satisfy. Perhaps it's because we were created for another world. Can I tell you today, you are created for another world. And uh, in this life, I honestly know God's blessing and I know that God wants to bless you. But in all of us, there's something missing until Jesus is Lord. One of my favorite uh, rock bands, Linkin Park, I just uh, saw Chester just took his life. Uh, so if I've got a worldly band that I like, I uh, know I'll be in trouble here in Ireland. But, but Linkin Park was my favorite. And Chester, I'm so sad he took his life. I'm like, gee, I wish I had, had been able to have coffee with him, get my son to have coffee with him. Because, you know, God wants to heal him, wanted to, wanted to heal him. But there's a life beyond this life. I read a, uh, a, co- a quote from an American modernist poet just recently, Wallace Stevens. And he said this so true. I don't think he's a Christian. And he said this, even in contentment, he said, I still feel the need for some imperishable bliss. He said, even in contentment, I still feel the need for some imperishable bliss. Can I encourage everybody here this morning, if you don't yet know the Lord, today is the day of salvation. If you don't yet know Jesus Christ, this is a God moment. Don't miss the moment. My wife, she likes it when I respond to her. Any husbands know that? Your wife's talking, she's speaking, she's moving. If I just sit there and stare off into the abyss, that's not going to go well. (laughs) She likes a response. You know, God is like that. I discovered he's a great dad, and if I respond to him, he just responds to me straight away. God's not mad with you today. He loves you. God's not mad with you. He loves you. God's not in a mood Anybody here get in a mood? Don't raise your hand. It's embarrassing. I get into moodiness and I realize, wow, Lord, thank you that you're not like me. You never get in a mood with me. You always love me. You're always accepting of me. You're always ready to forgive me. You're always ready to help me. Can I encourage you today, wherever you're at in life, let God forgive you. Let God help you. Let God fill you today with imperishable bliss, which is really the free gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. Could we stand up, everybody, today as we just come to finish? I'm going to just pray in a moment. Does the music team want to come with me? Come up. Actually, just maybe close our eyes. I'll hand back to Pastor Tom right now. Just close our eyes for a moment, everybody.
just going to pray two prayers. The first prayer, just with every uh, eye closed. If you're here today and you're saying, you know, I, I really don't know where my eternal life is at. If I left the building, I'm not sure if I'd be saved, whether I'd have eternal life with Jesus. I, I don't know, but today I'm here and I want to be saved. I want God's forgiveness. I want God's hope. I want to leave the service knowing that my eternal life is right with God. Or if you're away from God, if you're being honest, you say, you know what, if I be honest, I'm not really walking with the Lord. Some things got in the way, but today I really want to get my life back walking with Jesus. If that's you on the count of three, just with every eye closed, can you slip your hand up and I'm just going to lead you in a short prayer. It's a profound prayer though, because it's going to connect you with the living God. And today you can leave the service with that amazing, incredible free gift of salvation. Here we go on the count of three. One, two, right across our service, three. Just raise your hand up if that's you right now. That's awesome. Keep raising them up. You say, yeah, include me in that. That's fantastic. Down there, down the back as well, in the middle there. That's great. Over here, lady in the red over there. Over there, sir, there as well. That's so good. So good, lady over there on the left down there as well. Wonderful. Over on the side there too. Uh, young man there. That's awesome. Lady over there as well. That's great. So wonderful. All right. So fantastic. All those who are raising your hands. And if you're a believer, can you just join me in this prayer too? Here we go. Dear Lord, I come to you now in the name of Jesus. And I ask you, God, please forgive me of all my sin. Jesus, wash me. Cleanse me. Set me free. I put my faith in your finished work on the cross. Thank you for dying for me. Jesus, help me now to live for you. All the days of my life, in Jesus' mighty name, amen. One more prayer, just one more prayer, with our eyes closed. If you know this morning that, Lord, you're talking to me, and maybe it's about agreeing with God. Maybe it's about, you know, uh, getting the Wi-Fi on, the faith, connecting, and saying, you know, I'm going to take a step of faith. Maybe you're a Christian parent here, and you're saying, you know what? I've really got to get up now because my children and grandchildren need me to set a sterling example and I'm going to get up now. Whatever that means for you, it's different for all of us. But really, it's just what the Lord's saying to you to do. Do that, do this, do that. And then we set our children up for destiny and change generations. If you know I'm responding to that today and you're saying, Lord, I need your help. I need your grace. I'm leaning in. I need your enablement. God, help me with that and help me to hear what you're saying. Don't struggle and strive. Just let the Lord lead you and guide you in grace. But you're saying, I'm going to cross the road. I'm going somewhere. I'm going into God's purpose for my life, my children's life. I'm going. I'm going. I'm not going to be busy with things that don't matter. I'm going to be busy with setting up my grandchildren for a God-given destiny. On the count of three, if that's you, I'm going to ask you to slip your hand up with our eyes. I'm going to pray for you as well. Here we go. One, two, three. Just raise it up high now, everybody, if that's you. Father, just pray for everybody responding right now. I pray your grace and your anointing and your love, Father. Fill everybody right now, Jesus. I just pray for supernatural enablement. Lord, thank you. Today is the day of salvation. Lord, thank you for a God moment. It's coming past right now, Jesus. It's here right now. Help us to grab it. 
Help us to not go around in circles. Help us, Lord, to cross the road to people. Help us to cross the road in the church, to our family in the church. Help us to cross the road, Lord, into your purpose and destiny. I pray, Father, today that, Lord, in the weeks and the months ahead now, Lord, I pray as people just listen to you, they hear your word, they read your word, they, they pray. Lord, I pray you're going to drop into their heart and spirit. What is the next step? Just not the 10th step. What's the next step? What's the next step? And as they do the next step, Lord, I thank you that after that in time, you'll show the next step. Help us all, Lord. Help me and help everybody here to be obedient to your next step, Lord. And as we are, thank you that generations are blessed, generations are changing. And Father, we're going to overflow as a people with new new wine, new hope, new life, new healing, new favour, new blessing. I just pray it over everybody this morning. And I declare this church and this people blessed in the name of Jesus, healed in the name of Jesus, breaking through in the name of Jesus, friends and family being saved in the name of Jesus, everyone who's sick whole in the name of Jesus, and let this church prosper. And I pray that destinies change, generations change from today. And Jesus, we give you all the praise. We give you all the honour and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. So good to be with you, everybody. God bless. Love from Perth. God bless. that was absolutely brilliant so encouraging and I have to say that as a Christian as a Christian parent so challenging and so moving God bless you can we get another round of applause for Pastor Jared I told Jared now you know what you'll do now Jared right you're going to stay here afterwards and if anybody wants prayer they can pray for you is that okay so if you want some prayer here Jared is going to be here afterwards you will you will you will he'll be here afterwards okay well let's close in prayer can I invite you to raise your hands as we close in prayer this morning I want to pray this morning that the goodness and love of the Lord Jesus Christ would follow you all the days of this week and all the days of your life. Lord, that's what the psalmist David said. Surely the goodness and love 
will follow me, will chase me, will pursue me all the days of my life, Lord. And I pray this week we would know that goodness and love at work. I pray we would know the nudging of your Holy Spirit in the direction that we should take, Lord. I pray, Lord, that as we, if we're making a wrong turn, that your Holy Spirit would intervene and nudge us, Lord, back onto the right way, Lord. If we're going to turn right and it's the wrong way, Lord, may your Holy Spirit come in and guide us back onto the right way, Lord. We want to honor you in our lives this week. And we ask you, Lord, that we would know in every situation, whatever we cheer, whatever we face, whatever challenges we face this week, we would know your goodness and love being very present and being very real. May we know the fellowship of the Holy Spirit as Paul invited into our lives this week, Lord. And so we pray, beg and grasp the tyranny of the Christ, on God day, August, and come and spread near, be in galere. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the brilliant, intimate friendship and fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all this week in Jesus' name. And all God's people said... Amen. Praise God. Praise God. We're done, brothers and sisters. Tommy at Creek Ninish. Tea and coffee being served upstairs for the next hour. Please don't forget, night church. No night church on Tuesday were paused. So no night church on Tuesday were paused. And we'll see you again next Sunday morning. Jared is here if you'd like to come to him for prayer. God bless and keep him. We'll see you again next Sunday morning. Amen. Amen.